All right, everybody, welcome back to the Call to Action podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 26th. We have a very special guest with us today, Kent State University head baseball coach Jeff Duncan. Coach Duncan, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jeremy. Thanks for uh, for having me on. I'm really excited. It's been a uh, long couple months for, I think, everybody, but uh, really excited to get on the call with you. It's great seeing you. It's great seeing Eric. So, uh, and looking forward to getting back to more normalcy as we keep going. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the big thing that we're trying to do this week is just shine a light on baseball. Um, cool. This last week was tough for all of us. Uh, we talk in the office all the time, and it's no joke. It's it's not just for you. The The baseball championship that week in Avon is our yeah. favorite week of the year. It really is. is yeah. The end of the year, it's the final championship. It's great. The weather would have been, I mean, Saturday and Sunday were beautiful. Phenomenal. <laughs> And um, and I think the days leading up, we might have had a little rain one of the days. But mm-hmm. um, you know, how how have you been coping uh, just without being able to play this season, finish it out? And uh, you know, how how you getting by? How you keeping in touch with the team and everything? Uh, it's it's um, we've been coping really well. We're trying to have a really good attitude and and stay positive about everything. We we connect you know via zoom as a whole team about every 10 days and have a meeting and just kind of um start building towards next year i mean we're already kind of have this year in the in the rear view mirror so to speak and we're already planning towards next year obviously there's been some changes within even within the league um where the regular season you know champion goes to the ncaa tournament we're just planning adapting and dominating uh, like everybody else and, and just um, trying to get better as much as we can. A lot of our guys are doing uh, home workouts and, and, and trying to stay in shape at homes, trying to stay focused. But I, I think a big key, our coaching staff's done a great job, Coach Birkbeck, Coach Serato. A big key for us is we've been really working on some of the mental part of the game, um, doing things that, we, you know, maybe slowing some things down and trying to get better in that way. Um, whether it's uh, just talking about different scenarios mentally um, that uh, can make us better uh, to help us, you know, uh, get to, to achieve our goals. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been unique. Um, I shouldn't say it's been a ton of fun, but uh, it's been unique, I should say. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that we never planned for in this, in this thing, but uh, ultimately it's out of our control. A lot of it is, and we're just trying to do the best with what we got. And it's been it's been unique, that's for sure. I mean, coach, talk a little bit about this season. I know you guys only played what fourteen games. I think you guys. Yeah. got. I mean, looking ahead, what kind of excites you? Who are the, some of the players that that you guys are going to bring back that that you look forward to seeing in the twenty twenty one season? Yeah, I think um, we're pretty much going to get uh, a lot of our returners back. We're excited about it. We had some guys that were probably fringy draft this year that with the change in the draft, it's going to be a little bit different where we're going to have them back. Um, we have a really, really good starting rotation. I think Luke Albright has a chance to be really special, especially next year. He could be a first round type guy um, going into next season. And then I thought Colin Rommel on Saturday was outstanding. Ryan Lane, we were seven and seven. We were, we played all 14 games on the road. Um, we didn't hit our stride offensively. We played really good defense. Um, 
but I generally, you know, since I've been here in the seven years going on eight now next year, but generally as we get going and, and the weather starts getting better and better, we start, you know, hitting our stride offensively. And that's when we really start racking up some wins because the pitching and the defense is there. So I was really excited about this team. We had a really tough schedule early on. Um, I guess the unfortunate thing in the whole thing is right about the time we, we canceled the season is, was like, uh, you know, we, we had just got lost two or three from Liberty in a tough weekend series. And so that leaves that taste in the mouth and we weren't able to recover from that, um, that weekend. Cause I was really looking forward to moving on from, from that. Cause that was our first type of adversity all season, as far as hitting a little uh, bump in the road, but uh, really like the team. They had a lot of energy. They, they've got good leadership. Uh, I'm really looking forward to next year. And that's, that's, uh, that's for sure. Who's one guy that you talk about the Zoom calls and everything that you guys have been doing? Who's the one guy or couple guys on the team that this is just absolutely driving nuts? Like they can't sit still. They need to be working. Uh, you yeah. know, who's just ready to get after it every day? And I'm sure they all are to some extent. Yeah. But, you know, who can't there's, sit still? <laughs> yeah, there's three guys that I think are calling me and texting me every day and, and trying to like bend every rule possible to get back out, you know. <laughs> Um, one is uh, Luke Albright, our Friday guy, and, and then another one is uh, Ben Carew, um, All-American. It's funny how, you know, those guys come to surface right away. And Michael Turner is another guy, our catcher. Um, they're, they're just uh, biting at the bullet to get back going. Um, they've done – all three of them have done a great job kind of leading some things as well. Ben Carew especially. Um, he's a guy who is an All-American, came into our program – um, didn't play right away his freshman and sophomore year, played a little bit his sophomore year, and then he's really had to earn his stripes. He hit 400 for us last year, and then when the season got cut um, early this year, he was hitting 387 and led the country in doubles. Um, he's got a high motor. He's a great leader. He's older, um, so guys really do respect him, um, you know, so he get, he's really excited to get back going, and and he's keeping the guys uh, in check as well with all of it and keeping them. Uh, he, had a, he had a great message on one of our Zoom calls just about staying focused. And, you know, this, is, this isn't this uh, is what we expected this year, but we're going to start building towards next year uh, in his own words. And it, it was really neat. We're, we're seeing some really cool things happening inside our program as guys just really, you know, stepping up vocally and, and, and being good leaders. Would you say that's almost like a, the silver lining towards all of this, I guess, is yeah. communication throughout your team and stuff? Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I never thought I, I would, um, you know, some of the communicating I'm doing as far as even just talking to you guys um, so that I've learned in the last two months with Zoom meetings, having meetings with my coaching staff, uh, with FaceTime, you can add guys on FaceTime. You can have more than two guys on FaceTime. It's pretty neat uh, from from a meeting standpoint to a recruiting standpoint to where, you know, two months ago I thought I had to be in the office where I don't know if I have to. I can work a little bit more from home. Uh, so it's it's been unique in that. It's been the silver lining for sure as part of the communication um, that we've done here in the last two months. Yeah, for those, as you're saying this, for those that uh, don't know that are listening, you know, before every MAC tournament, all the coaches would get together and we'd all talk, right? We'd do our voting stuff. Yep. We'd all do it on this phone call. And this Zoom thing has been sitting here this whole time, the whole time. that we could have been using. 
It's and unbelievable. Like, yeah. And you, and you think about the little things that we've just done and how we'll be doing them for, uh, you know, in, yeah. in the future and how they kind of latch on. I mean, any guy, even on the bus or after practice, could have picked up their phone, talked about their guys, as we do before the uh, all-MAC teams are selected. And mm -hmm. seen everyone could have gotten the votes and done deal. And it's just – Absolutely. Yeah, you, you find these things. Go, going way back – not way back. You said eight, you know, eight years. Um, mm -hmm. What interested you in the Kent State job to begin with? Uh, you were an assistant at Purdue – and just, uh, you know, what, what led you to, to wanting to come to Kent? Well, one, I had, I had a relationship with Coach Bergbeck, and, and uh, I knew Strick and, and knew all about the success from the program from, you know, you, know, you think back to Danny Hall, to Rick Rembelak, to Strick. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I thought there was a lot of positives, um, you know, just the tradition of the program and the people that were involved. And, and um, you know, to, to be honest, when, when this whole thing opened, uh, when you're a coach, a lot of times you don't think of jobs and things like that. You, you're just doing your job. And at the time I was at Purdue and um, it, was a, it was during a busy time, which is in the summer, a busy recruiting time. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know it was open. And, uh, I, you know, you're just kind of plugging away, recruiting, doing all that stuff. And, and uh, um, I got a phone call, uh, you know, initially – from, from Coach Strickland, and, and he asked if I would have interest in, in this job, and, and I was at most certainly, and then it just kind of, you know, picked up from then. Um, we had just got done playing um, Strick a year ago. When we At Purdue, we, we were, we hosted a regional, and Kent was in the regional. That was the regional they went, to, eventually went to World Series in 2012, um, and I was always very impressed with the way the program was run, and, and uh, the players they were able to get, uh, not only in Northeast Ohio, but parts of Pennsylvania um, and, 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 and other parts, Cincinnati, places like that. There's, there's been a really good recruiting uh, trail for, for Kent State in those areas. So um, th there's a lot of positives that uh, brought me here. And, and another thing, too, is the people, the, the support has been great. And, and Coach Birkbeck um, and I have a great relationship. I was able to get, you know, Coach Serato here as well. And it's been really good. I've been very happy. My family loves um, the area as well. We, we grew up, I grew up in Illinois, and uh, my wife did as well. It, the weather is very similar. Um, the people are very similar. So it's been a really good transition for in every aspect. Did you, did you always know you were going to be a coach after your playing career? You know, um, it was it was funny. I, I think so, but yet I still kind of flirted with the idea of not. Um, so basically, when I got done playing, um, I, I I went back home to Illinois. Um, I, I didn't have my degree done because I got drafted after my junior year in college, um, and I still had to finish my degree. So I I got back um, from playing. It was July. I got released. I got I was in July. I got offered to play more. It was like, well, what do I do? I decided to stay out from playing. My next thing was let's look into coaching or some other outside jobs. Um, at that point in time, I started coaching a travel program in Illinois, Bo Jackson Elite, Cangelosi Baseball. Um, it was a great team, and, and I had such a great time working with the guys and, and being around guys and being around baseball in that aspect. Um, so at, during that time uh, – 
I got a phone call from John Pulaski at Auburn, who was an assistant at Arizona State. I went to Arizona State. He was an assistant at Arizona State when I played there. And he just took the job at Auburn as the head coach. And he gave me an opportunity um, to start up my coaching career uh, at Auburn. And while I was at Auburn, I was able to finish my degree. It was Arizona State at the time was one of the first schools to start the online um, courses uh, in the country. And I was able to finish online at Arizona State while I was coaching at Auburn. And it was uh, just a really good opportunity. Um, and that was what started it all about 12 years ago. And, and uh, I certainly, um, certainly love the decision I made. It's been great. It's been very impactful for, for me and my family. And, and it's one of those things where um, I look back at it, I maybe had some opportunity to coach in pro ball, but I think college baseball uh, fit me. I just, I just felt like uh, it was more impactful. You can make more impacts as, as a, on a, on a, you know, student athlete and, and it's more of a family environment as well. You re recruit to your program, you get the people you want, and then you have an opportunity to coach them for three or four years. I think that's really cool. You know, prior, you mentioned, you know, prior to you deciding and wanting to or do coaching, get into coaching, uh, you know, you, you were drafted, you were in the, you were in the, the bigs. I mean, you get, you get you're in the system. Um, talk about that experience and just ultimately really, you know, you're a seventh, I, I've read this before, seventh round pick. Is that right? Yeah, seventh round pick out of college. Pick. So, you know, and, and in baseball terms, that's, that's very high. I mean, right. I mean, you, you yeah. look at these guys and that's good. Talk about your experience and just how hard it is for people to take the step and, and get through the system and ultimately to, to the big leagues, just how different yeah. it is. That's a great question. Cause um, I was this close to getting released. Uh, I got drafted, like you said, in the seventh round out of Arizona state by the New York Mets. In my first two years, I really, really struggled making the, uh, being able to adapt to the wood bat and things like that. I was really struggling. And I, I, I remember being probably about this close, Jeremy, to getting released. And, and something clicked for me after about two years. And, and it was more of a mentality thing and an attitude thing and an aggressiveness, uh, you know, to my game that I needed to change in order to adapt to that, to that level. Um, and from that point on, I almost went this close to being released. And this happens all the time to all of a sudden, you know, um, I, go, I go from hitting 217 in low A, 240 in low A, to having to repeat in low A, almost getting released, and then all of a sudden blowing up and almost, um, you know, winning a batting title in, in low A and then going to high A at, in, in the same year at the All-Star break. They sent me up to high A, and then that following offseason, they protected me on the 40-man, which I didn't even know there was such thing. I got a phone call at around Halloween. I was at a Halloween party with, at, at a friend's house, and I get a phone call saying, hey, you've been protected on the big league roster um, for the New York Mets. Congratulations. I said, what does that mean? He said, you're on the big league roster, man. I was like, wait, I'm an A-ball. What are you talking about? I almost got released, you know, um, about 12 months ago. And it's just I was very fortunate. I put together one really good year and it really, you know, kickstarted my career and it, it put, um, it put me in a good position where they had to protect me. It was, uh, you know, and, and put me on the roster and 
I was able to go to that following spring, went to my first big league camp. Art Howe was the manager and uh, had a really good big league camp. Went back down with, to double A towards the end of spring training. And then the first injury in, in, you know, in early April, um, I was called up to the big leagues. And it's just amazing how what a whirlwind it is, how close you think you are to possibly being out. And then you're this close to, you know, being in the big leagues. And next thing you know, you are in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of it is timing. A lot of it is um, knowing how to prepare at that level and making sure that you have a really good routine. Um, you have discipline and knowing how to, to make some adjustments to get you to that level. It's, it's, uh, and believe me, I, I, you know, I was only in the big leagues for two years. Um, not only is it hard to get to the big leagues, I think, but it's, it's even harder to stay uh, because once you get to that level, guys start scheming against you, pitchers. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. But uh, all in all, my experiences were awesome, Jeremy. Um, it's helped for me into my coaching, what I'm doing now. Um, and it, it, like I said, I, I even look back to when I was in high school and I wasn't that great of a player. <laughs> like, I, my freshman year, I played first base. My sophomore year, I played first base. And I, I got called up to the varsity my sophomore year. Um, my sophomore and junior year, Jeremy, I didn't hit anywhere above in the first seven hitters. I was like a seven, eight, nine hitter. I would hit 330 and hit a bunch of singles playing first base. And then the next thing you know, I go through a growing spurt. I'm trying to figure out my body, the progression. Next thing you know, I can really run. I'm playing center field. So that's like a kudos to your high school coaches. You know what I mean? Like the development and process of that time. I went from 5'9 to 6'2. God bless me to get to 6'2. And all of a sudden I can run. And I'm playing center field, hitting left-handed, hitting doubles and homers and stealing bases. And it just it's amazing how it all comes around. Sure. You know, so yeah, that's just – uh, it's a, a unique baseball so unique it's not an easy game to play by any means right um there's a lot of adversity to it which is so neat because when baseball is all said and done i think that adversity prepares you for life mm -hmm. and baseball people are so unique the relationships you build because of the adversity <laughs> you know and and it, just the different uniqueness to it is uh just makes the game awesome it makes the people around it awesome and like you said man like missing last weekend you don't even know like it's just uh, the weather would have been beautiful the tournament was going to be awesome we've got really competitive teams this year i've i can't remember you know ever having a league that was going to be this competitive this year um in a long time yeah it was going to be really good yeah um yeah it sucks <laughs> it sucks yeah. there's no other way to say it right there's yeah. no I, I did want to follow up you mentioned you got that call 40 man at a halloween yeah. party do you remember what your halloween outfit was um you know that's funny when you got uh, that i don't which is uh, bad and you know what i may have been stubborn where i wasn't even in uh, a halloween party uh, too or, cool. i mean in a halloween costume Big leaguer, big leaguer, big leaguer, big leaguer, right? right? Big, I was big leaguing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was big leaguing the Halloween party. 
<laughs> don't no, I, I don't think I did. I don't think I dressed up. Everybody else was dressed up, and I was just kind of chilling, <laughs> hanging out. So. All right, all right. But uh, I will say this. When I was in the big leagues, they made me wear SpongeBob SquarePants. We, we, we went to Montreal, and back then you had to go through customs to get into Montreal from New York, right? I, I had to wear a – they took my suit out of my locker and put a SpongeBob SquarePants suit, and I had to wear a SpongeBob Square through customs and walk all around Montreal. And so I was just – get, They got back at me for not wearing that Halloween costume. So. <laughs> I was just going to add any like funny stories or things you remember from, from your time that said like, wow, I've, I've made it here in the big, league. I can't tell you half of them Eric. It's probably illegal <laughs> in 25 states, but uh, no, I had some great stories, some great experiences, met some great people. Um, you know, just, just the, and I was in New York city mm -hmm. and just the, um, availability to just unbelievable access in New York city when you're a big leaguer in that city is unbelievable to me. Just the people that are around that city from, I mean, at that time, shoot, uh, Prince, the, you know, the, the artist Prince was hanging around there and, you know, it wasn't anything that you wouldn't bump into him. Um, you know, whether, you know, he was in the clubhouse from just different celebrities that would come in and out, Bill Clinton, um, unbelievable. Just, uh, just the uniqueness of being in New York City, the Big Apple, um, and having the opportunity to, to play at a, you know, that type of market. Heck, man, we would fly and there would be 35 media members on our flight alone. Yeah. You know, just a, it's a high media market, um, high access. And uh, that, that was the, a really unique experience in itself, just handling that. It's got to be crazy just to just to see all that stuff. And Eric and I went to our first. Well, I, I had been to Shea Stadium in the back. Yeah, so, so you'd been to Shea? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, my yeah. Was, I, was a, I was a big Mets fan growing up. I was a huge David Wright fan. Yeah, a, me and him grew up together in, in in the minor leagues and everything. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I was yeah. a huge huge David Wright fan, Jose Reyes fan back in the day. So we all came up. Yep, when that we was went, my crew. Yeah, when we went to uh, when we went to New York for like a family vacation, my parents surprised me with tickets to to see a Mets game. Two two That's years really ago, cool. Two years ago, Eric and I went to uh, I think it's two years ago now. I don't know. Yeah, we yeah. went to the seminar in New York City, um, and uh, the last day we caught a game to at City Field, and somehow we got tickets off something, and then we had access to every club in the stadium. It was it was unreal. I don't know. We experienced, so like, cool. oh, we didn't even know, like, what tickets we bought. And then we got there, we went through this whole thing. And um, I don't know, I, I remember Shea, it was, it was a long time ago. City Field, eh, it's all right. Yeah. I want, Shea, Shea was unique, man. Yeah. It was, um, it had an unbelievable presence to it. Yeah. It was in yeah. that cookie cutter stage, and it was a, it was half of a cookie cutter, basically. Yep. Um, extremely high stadium. Um just a, a huge, uh, like, just a presence to it. And I'll tell you what, um, it was a great, when things were going good, it was a great city to play in. Um, when things were going bad, it was, it was, it was tough. I, I even like, I think back Roger Sedano, do you remember that name, Eric? 
you being well, a Mets fan, he came over. I played with him. He came over from the Tigers and signed this big contract, right? Signs this big contract, and he was struggling at the time. And it wasn't it wasn't anything out of the ordinary for somebody to sign a big contract in New York and struggle for a couple months just to get used to it, because yeah. um, the market's completely different. So he was struggling, and I I'll never forget this. I just got called up. And he hits a home run in Shea Stadium. And he got booed all the way around home to home. Wow. Because he was struggling and they're like, <laughs> they booed him. That's horrible. I know. Uh, but, and I'm not taking anything away from the fans because they're super passionate. But, and they love their players when they're going good. But it was, it was something about if you got paid a lot of money and you didn't succeed, they would just hammer you. I mean, that that team was unbelievable. I mean, you yep. had David Omar. Wright, Jose Reyes, Moises Alou, Beltran, mm-hmm. Delgado, all mm-hmm. on the same. Carlos Delgado. Yeah. Dude, so, I know. I, I, I told you. I remember. It was uh, Yeah, that was quite the team. That, um, and then uh, that, that was uh, – that was right in the transition too, when City Field was being built. Mm-hmm. It was right across the street. Yep. And Shea, Shea, it was closing of Shea, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's unreal. New, I mean, New York hasn't changed, right? It's the same. No matter same, the sport, I... no matter the sport, no matter the players, it's it's uh, you better you better do what you need to do right now, or you get booed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. That's the beauty of that city. There's no city like it. Yeah, no question. Philadelphia can be like that too, but um, but that that's unique in that way. You know, you mentioned your relationship with Coach Birkbeck. He's been around this league. He's been around coaching for a long, mm-hmm. long time now. Um, you know, it's no it's no surprise to anyone that the pitching staff year after year is Kent State's. Like, you know that they're going to have some aces uh, throughout mm-hmm. the years. What? you know, what does he just bring to your team? Uh, and you mentioned that relationship and you mentioned um, how important he is to that. Um, mm-hmm. What he brings to these guys and how you're able to turn it over year after year. I think um, he has really, I, I guess the best way to, to put it, number one, he's a good, he's a really good, good man. He's a good person, um, high character, just a great guy. But he's very unique because he has a lot of feel too for people and how to handle pitchers is, you know, um, essentially he doesn't handle each arm or each pitcher the same. He has a unique way of doing it. And I think a lot of it has to do with his experience. He's been here for 25 years and leading up to those 25 years. He also played, he was a Met as well, Eric, but, uh, um, but he played, um, you know, uh, a long time in the minor leagues and big leagues, both, up and down and then had the opportunity to play in Japan um, and then got into coaching. And I think he just has a unique feel, doesn't handle each guy the same, um, has high structure still, but there's flexibility within that structure, which I think is really unique. A lot of times you get around coaches and you have to do it this way. There's not just one way with him. He's very unique in that way. And he tries to maximize each and every buddy's talents on that pitching staff in their own unique way that's the best way i can put it 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you do you have a favorite Berkey story? There's a lot because he's so unique and he's so yeah. funny in his own way. Um, I, you know, that's a great question. Um, my favorite Berkey story. Hmm. Or is there something? I'll tell you what. To give you an example of Berkey, there's probably some kind of story every day. Some <laughs> kind of favorite story every day. That's something he may say something that'll just die, <laughs> make you laugh. Yeah. Or he'll do something. You're going, can you just do that? You know what I mean? Um, but no, the, I can't think of one right now, but I'm going to think of one and I'll come up with one. You can't you just tell the guys year after year, you know, when we see them at tournament or going back as far as the, you know, college world series and, you know, way back, they just, the guys just cling to, they cling to him and, and, and for the reasons that you just said, so yeah. it wasn't so much a story, but kind of even what the players all kind of maybe give them a hard time about, is there anything they give them a hard time about? Is there uh well, he, he always carries a, a note, like a little, uh, I should say like a little three ring binder. That's only about that big. Does that make sense? Like one of those little notepads yeah. and he's carried this thing for 25 years <laughs> and he carries it in his back pocket and he keeps notes on this thing. And over the years, the notes just keep, you know, compiling, but he always has that thing in the back of his pocket. He may go check back to something he said to a pitcher 10 years ago. He'll have it in his back pocket. Wow. And that's really unique. It's really cool. Um, he's a he's a professional coach. He loves the coach. He loves to communicate. Um, he loves to motivate. Um, so, and I think that's what makes him so dynamic as a teacher, as a coach, as a person. Um, his his uniqueness, his how he prepares, and uh, and he's always you know he's always prepared for everything. And I think that's just an example of having that little notepad that he has in his back pocket gives you every example that he's, he, he's always going to be prepared. And if he were to stumble on something, he'll check back in his little notepad and, and get back to it. It's amazing, man. Yeah. There's things called Berkeyisms. Yeah. And he's, there's a lot of them. It's like yogiisms, um, right? And what's that? It's like yogiisms. Yes, like exactly. He's got them. He's, yeah. He has Berkeyisms, and, and everybody he makes everybody just kind of laugh in, in his own unique way. That's amazing. Now, Jeremy, you said you're talking to Lauer later today, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk today, yeah. I have, I have the biggest bone to pick with Eric Lauer. <laughs> Why's that? He, he beat me, uh, he beat our team three times in uh, his senior year. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah. it was, we only lost four games the whole, the whole season here and three of them were at uh, eric lauer so well hey you know kid was good i know he yeah. beat everybody man i know it's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable yeah. Why, why, he what, beat uh, everybody lowest dra right lowest dra yeah. that in, in uh, a couple years ago here, i got something for you about eric lauer yeah i'm in my basement here real quick um but i have this is the lineup card okay that's the lineup card when he threw his no hitter um we also clinched the regular season championship that year but he signed it right there eric lauer yeah. there's the actual lineup card it was against bowling green um and it, you know the the neat thing about this is uh you can see pete schuler signed it he was the catcher who called the whole game wow. he called the whole game and then uh connor simonetti uh caught the last out 
Connor wow. Simonetti had a great career here too. He was a 13th round pick. Um, and then obviously Eric Lauer who went in the first round and was the national player of the year. But that was a really unique time for me as a coach. I thought it was really cool. You know, talk about a gamer, a guy who won in Eric Lauer. Um, but, you, you know, that we, we have our regular season championship on the line and he goes out and throws a no-hitter. Yeah, incredible. He just had that uh, – that vibe and that, that, that uniqueness, um, you know, when the, when the stages were really high, he, he really rose to the top and had a really slow heart rate mm -hmm. and handle all that stuff. So yeah. you weren't the only one to get beat, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's plenty more to come after me too. So well, yeah. we, we stripped the video from this, although we keep it, but that's a cool clip right there. And for those listening, I mean, your, your downstairs looks like, what I want my downstairs to look like someday. Uh, as we're as we're describing this, there's pictures. There's all these baseball pictures on coach's wall. Uh, we see DiMaggio and Mantle behind him. Yeah, uh, the, I mean, you think about baseball, you think about those two boys, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, where yeah. uh, do you have any pick out? You don't have to show us, but what are like two or three other things down there that really hold a special place, or that you have a story what, about your like room there? Okay, um, I'll just – I'm looking at – so you saw that lineup card, that no-hitter. I also have a lineup card. This is really unique. So I had family that lived in Arizona, okay? My aunt and uncle moved to Arizona a long, long time ago. And they, you know, raised the family there. Um, my, my uncle was an Arizona Diamondbacks season ticket holder, okay? And in 2003, he went to a silent auction uh, for the Diamondbacks. And there was a lineup card at the silent auction. Uh, and it happened to be a lineup card against the Mets. And it was actual lineup card that uh, I was in the lineup. So I thought that was really unique. And it was signed by Bob Renley. Bob Renley was the manager of that Diamondbacks, that Diamondbacks club. So it was, and it's a Diamondbacks lineup card. It's an actual Diamondback, Arizona Diamondbacks lineup. It's not even a Mets one. Here it is right here. Um, but and, and you see it's and it's signed by Bob Brenly and I'm I'm hitting seventh there, right wow. behind Jay Bell. You know Jay Bell, remember Jay Bell? Yeah. And Joe McEwing was in, in the eight hole. And, um, there's Jose Reyes there. Yeah, I was gonna say even that Diamondbacks team is bringing back some memories. Oh, dude, look at this Diamondbacks Craig team. Axel, Luis Gonzalez. Craig Matt is a Northeast Ohio guy. Yeah. Craig Council, Luis Gonzalez, Shea Hillenbrand, Steve, Steve Finley. Finley. Yep. Raul Mondesi. Oh, wow. Look who was on the bench. Carlos Bierga. Yep. Oh, nice. Quentin McCracken. Remember Quentin McCracken? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Robbie Hammock. Um, Is that uh, uh, Batista, Jose Batista. Junior Spivey. Yep. Wow. This was Cliff Floyd for us yep. on the yep. bench there. Yep. Vance Wilson, Marco Scudero. Raul Gonzalez, Ty Wigginton. Um, oh, our bullpen was nasty. We had uh, David Weathers, Dan Wheeler, um, Mike Stanton, John Franco, and Pedro Feliciano. Wow. So, but uh, you remember those names being a Mets fan. Mm -hmm. But um, in our rotation was Al Leiter, uh, Tom Glavin, uh, Steve Traxel. It was, it was really good. But anyway, to get back to that lineup card thing, um, so my uncle goes to this, to this uh, 
this silent auction, he wins it and um, puts it in his office. It was signed by Bob Renly. I just happened to be in it. And I guess he used it as a kind of a conversation piece in his office at work. He retires. Okay. And about seven, eight years ago on my birthday, there was a box on my stoop and it was this lineup card. It was an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup card. I'm like, what the heck is this? I didn't even know he had it. Right. I'm like, what's this? And then my, I see that, you know, my name was in there and I was looking at the lineup and I started reminiscing. And then there was a little note saying, Hey, I just retired. I have no need for this anymore. I thought you would need it more. So I have it on my wall and I, I you know, it's, it's a really cool conversation piece too now uh, for me. And um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, also, you know, that's really kind of neat was um, uh, I have a poster of our 2016 team and it, it, it was the team that was high, highly drafted uh, uh, from Andy Rabble in the seventh round, Eric Lauer in the first round, Luke Birch went in the uh, eighth round. Connor Simonetti went in the 13th round. Uh, Jared Skolnicki signed as a free agent. And the one draft that sticks out that never got drafted was Zarley Zaleski. Do you remember Zarley Zaleski? Yeah. yeah. switch hitter who just had a great career. It was borderline All-American every year. Um, I've got this in my, uh, in my, uh, my basement as well. These are, these are guys that made huge impact in my career as a baseball player. For one, I have – and you, I guess it's uh, uh, may, maybe an argument of, but uh, Roberto Alomar was really good to me um, when I got called up to the New York Mets. I actually got my first major league hit with his bat in my hands. Um, but uh, he, he, was a, he was really good. He was older. He was about to retire. And he was really good with young guys. And, and what an unbelievable baseball mind he had. Um, just from every aspect, because he could do everything. He was a switch hitter. He could run. He could hit. He could defend. He could bunt. And he came from a baseball family that was so attention to detail um, as far as the whole game. And I just learned so much from him. David Wright did too um, from him. Cliff Floyd was a, was a guy that I played with, and we played in the outfield together. Um, he is the biggest human being I've ever played with. He was 6'5", 240 pounds. And I'm going to tell you, when I played center field and he was playing left, I had to make sure I had to communicate because if, if I ran into that big boy, I was in some trouble. I was in some trouble. And then Steve Finley up here is a guy that I grew up uh, always idolizing um, as a player and tried to play like him. Um, he was from Illinois, from where I was from, and we had the same type of body type and same type of game. So I, I, I kind of always modeled my game off of him. A lot of people don't even know who he, you know, who he is. He was a great player. Um, yeah, my dog's named Finley after him. Like I, I have a dog named Finley, and nobody understands it and knows who Steve Finley is. But he was, he was, he was important to me, and, and I always liked watching him play. And then Joe Mack is, is, is another guy that was a huge – Joe McEwing, um, who was a huge uh, influence on me as a player. Great locker room guy. Played, played eight or nine years in the big leagues. And, and I'll tell you what, um, 
and nothing to take against Joe. Like he maximized his ability. That was one guy that really maximized his talents. There's guys in this league that are more, probably more talented than him. And uh, he just, he talked about a guy who finds his way to the big leagues and you hear about stories like that. And, and uh, he's one of them. Um, you know, I've got a lot of different championship stuff, uh, you know, from, from our teams, yeah. you know, one unique thing too, is I, I always went to winter ball in the winter. So I was always that fringe guy. I had to go to spring training, ready to go and go win a job. So I'd go to Dominican Republic in, in November, December and play. And, and I've got a helmet from that league right here. Uh, one flapper, but you see all the, the different advertisements on the helmet. It was so, that place is so unique um, in such a baseball crazy country. Um, it, it was like playing in a football game every day. I mean, the crowds dancing, there was, there was bands playing during the game. Um, I've got great stories. So you go over to Dominican Republic and play winter ball, you're going to have some great stories. But uh, I'll never forget, I was in the outfield uh, in the Dominican playing, and I was in my first week there. I went there two, two times. I went there two years, two different years. And it was always a place where you can go make some extra money, okay, and also a place to kind of keep um, honing your craft as a player. And best, you know, you're talking about some of the best players in the world come from Dominican Republic. Um, and they would allow three or four American players to come. So you're getting used to it. Um, it's, it's a place where uh, it's got just unbelievable uniqueness to it. But I was playing in a game, and at mid-pitch, I'm in center field, the power went out. And the power goes out where I was at. It went out three or four times a day. Um, we're not in, I, I mean, I was in, uh, I was, I was probably about two hours from Haiti border. And, you know, we're in the mountains a little bit where I played and, and um, you know, uh, the, the power goes out mid pitch. I, and when, when you're playing in a game and you're not used to power going out, like the lights going out and there's a crowd and everything, I hit the floor and I crawled all the way back to the dugout, to the dugout. And I remember Ty Wigginton going, you know, trying to bring me. He goes, hey, man, this happens all the time. What do you do? I thought I, I was like about ready to cry. I didn't know what was going on. I thought we were – I didn't know if we were getting bombed or what or what was going on. But uh, he's like, hey, man, this power goes out like three or four times a day. This is not going to be the last time this happens. This is part of it. So wow. just a really cool experience. You know, you shower one body part at a time. The water's cold. The, the water never gets warm there. So you just kind of do it one body part at a time. And I just had great times, like great stories from that, you know, playing winter ball um, was, was so neat. Um, you know, it's uh, another little thing here is a little picture here is my first, uh, is my first and only big league home run. And it was in Shea right there. Um, against the Phillies, Brandon Duckworth. And somebody got a picture of it in mid swing. It was cool. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I got my three jerseys as well. Uh, you know, three, three jerseys up Arizona state, uh, Mets one and a Dodgers one. So, but, uh, yeah, that, that's about it. I mean, I just, uh, I actually built, we started, started working on this and one winter, uh, one of coach Serato and I, um, laid the floor, did everything, just started working on it. We didn't put a ceiling in. It's just basically a basement ceiling. We just painted it. And uh, he helped me with it. And uh, we got a lot done. And it's, it's been really kind of a uh, fun 
fun place down here for baseball. I'll bring the guys over and uh, we'll just uh, hang out, talk the game. Um, we'll have we'll we'll have gatherings down here, so it's it's kind of neat. It's awesome. Well, we're I guess here's the we're biggest cool. What's that, Jay guy? We're available anytime to come on over. <laughs> yeah, dude, come on out, Jay. Yeah, just let us know when we. Hey, when we, especially uh, when we win a championship, um, I, I like having the guys over. But here's another cool thing: is we got all our championship rings. I got four rings from Kent. I got one from Purdue and one from Arizona State. Yeah. So um, six rings and looking to add to that. Sure. You, you and uh, you and MJ, man. <laughs> How cool was that? Yeah, yeah. great. That, that kind of was my next question. Just what have you been doing personally to, um, you know, get through this time and what kind of things you've been doing outside of baseball? Um, you know, any any fun things you've been trying to do? Anything you've been picking up? Yeah, no, so I've got uh, two kids. My son Bryce is seven. My, my daughter Shay is, is five. And um, you, we've been uh, fishing. We've taken up fishing. My, both of them really love it. I took them to a pond. It started in the beginning of the quarantine. We took them to a little pond. And the next thing you know, they kept asking me to go every day. So we're, we're, we're fishing all over the place. We went to West Branch, which is a state park yep. uh, last week fish there and they just they just love it and I've also taken the time to, to play baseball with my son and, and try to help him as much as I, I possibly can at this time because usually right now at this time I'm not home I'm gone a lot and then the summer comes I'm not home so I'm trying to take advantage you talk about the silver lining Eric um, you know Eric brought up the silver lining, you know, a little bit ago. And that, that's a, this has been a huge silver lining for me is to spend more time with my family. Um, and, and also use this time to, you know, continue to grow our, our program as well in different ways. That's right. Well, coach, we usually finish these interviews off with, a, uh, like three rapid fire questions. Oh, so, so it's yeah. like first, first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, the first one we always ask all our Kent State people. There's a there's a twisted melt shop that names. Uh, you get to build your own sandwich. Yeah. And, uh, if you could have a sandwich there, what would be on it? What would be on it? It would be uh, like an Italian. It would be hard salami, pastrami. Um, I think I would go American cheese. I know there might be a better like provolone maybe with that, but I think I would go white American cheese um, melted with tomatoes, green pepper, banana pepper. Okay. Wow. This is my favorite sandwich ever, by the way. Um, mustard, mayonnaise, oil and vinegar, salt and pepper. Uh, wow, you know, had it down to the salt and pepper. I don't think yeah. Oh, yeah. anyone was as prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're prepared for that. And you know what? That sandwich, I think that shows a lot that you're from Illinois because that sounds like a prototypical Chicago-type sandwich right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that oh, is. Yeah. That is. So that's perfect. That shows exactly. Are you from just the Chicago – are you in uh, the Chicago area are you, where you're from? I was right around Juliet. Juliet, okay. Got yeah. It. Yep. 
cool. That's, I mean, I'm hungry. It is lunchtime. So <laughs> it is lunchtime. That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> um, the next one we had was, uh, who is the toughest pitcher that you ever faced? Probably Billy Wagner. Oh, yeah. Lefty, lefty was a little tough. Left on left, man. And we were, we were in Houston, um, and I was coming off the bench, Art Howe. You know how in the National League you have double switches and mm-hmm. things like that. And I was uh, – I remember him coming out of the pen, and I had to lead off an inning in the ninth inning. We were down 2-1. Um, and Art Howe's like, hey, let's go, Dunk. You go, we go. Let's go. You know, he's, he's giving me this, you know, let's go, baby. Let's, you know, let's try to win this ball game, find a way to get on. And Billy Wagner comes out of the pen in between innings, and he's got his loud music. It's ACDC. And um, I'm thinking, man, this dude's going to be – in the, the, the Skyrim report says, you know, anywhere from 97 to 102, 103 sometimes. Low, low three-quarter, lefty. He's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and it's lightning in a bottle. That 103 looks like it's 200. Okay. Well, he comes out of the pen. He's got his music going. The crowd's going nuts. Houston's really good yeah. at this time. And um, everybody's going nuts. And he thro- comes out of the pen and in between innings. He's throwing about 80 miles an hour. He's just lobbing it up there. And he throws like three or four pitches. He says, come on down. You know, like he tells the catcher to throw it to second. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to time him up. And he's yeah. just lobbing balls in there. He's a boom, real quick, real fast. And then I'm like, man, there's no, you know, I, I had no shot to time him up or anything like that. So, okay, I'm expecting Scott Report, Denny Walling's our hitting coach, and he's like, hey, he's, you got to be sitting dead red. You got to be on time. Don't miss it. Be ready to get the head out. I'll never forget this. So, okay, I get up there. I'm like, all right, man, don't be late. Okay. Uh, <laughs> don't be late to 102. Good luck. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, first pitch, I'm ready to go. I'm about ready to swing when the was, ball's out of his hand, right? He throws a slider. <laughs> he throws a slider for a strike, and I check swing. I look back at the umpire, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't go. I didn't go. I didn't go. Sure enough, he goes, ha. Ah. Okay. Oh, one. And I'm going, okay. All right. Um, I'm looking dead red again, right? I'm looking dead red again. I got to be ready. Don't be late for the fastball. Here comes the pitch, slider, check swing, 0-2, okay? I look back at the umpire, same thing, it's questionable. Sure sure enough, he's going to give it to Billy Wagner, right? Strike. Doesn't even check it down the third base line, by the way. <laughs> okay, I'm 0-2. I'm about five seconds into the batter's box, right? Total between the two pitches. Next pitch, he goes 1-0-2, knee to knee I, at my knees. I take it, three pitches, I'm walking back to the dugout. The, the, bat, the bat lasted 10 seconds there. It lasted 10 seconds. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, uh, Skip, Art Howe, hey, you go, we go, Dunk. Let's go. Let's get go. 10 seconds later, that, that, that bat literally lasted 10 seconds. I didn't even swing. <laughs> Two check swings and a, and a take at a 102 fastball, knee to knee. I go back, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Oh, that's tremendous. So, yeah, he was good, man. <laughs> Billy Wagner. Uh, I mean, I guess the last one, right? It, I heard you're a big uh, Chicago Blackhawks fan. Huge. How'd you know? Hey, man, we got people everywhere. We have people everywhere, man. 
We gotta, we gotta prepare. Think, that's like there. my go-to, man. <laughs> can, you, can you give us your Blackhawks uh, Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Who are your top? What does that mean? Who are your top uh, four? Top four players. Top four players ever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are you guys hockey fans? Uh, it's it's hard to be here in Cleveland because there's no real team. There's no hockey. Yeah, yeah. we. So you got the monsters. But. As you know, yeah, Cleveland's tough. You don't really grow up with it. Some of the private schools, Ignatius, St. Ed's. They have hockey. Menor. I, I live in Menor. Uh, they have hockey, but my high school didn't have hockey, so yeah. you don't really grow. Yeah. Up. You don't grow up with it around here. Uh, I'll watch the. I'll watch like Game Sevens uh, and the Olympics. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much mm-hmm. where I come into hockey. Yeah, <laughs> hockey's huge in Chicago. The Blackhawks are huge. You know, um, I'm going to go Mount Rushmore. Do I start at number four and work all the way to one? Just the four four top players, or you, how, you know what? Let's make it easier. Your four favorite Blackhawks players of all time. Okay. Patrick Kane. Okay. Jeremy Roenick. Chris Chelios. And my fourth one is going to go Duncan Keith, who's a defenseman. The only one I Jonathan Taze should be in there, but he's not. Okay. I, I actually knew three of those four names. I'm really pro- – I mean, Good. pretty big names, but, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I know hockey now. Who would you know? Kane? I didn't know the last guy. I can't repeat him. Oh, Duncan Keith, yeah. yeah. So you got Ronick, Jeremy yep. Ronick, yep. Chris Chelios, you remember Chelios. him probably. Well, and Patrick Keane. Chelios I know because uh, – so, you know, with Ford Field, we have the um, football championship game every <clears throat> year, and there's a restaurant like a block away from Ford Field called Chelly's, and it's yeah. his spot. It's and so that's how I know him. I don't really yeah. necessarily know him from hockey. I know him because that's he had cool. – Right, but uh that's awesome that's awesome well hey this was great um spending time with you you know it it uh last week was the fact that we weren't all together at the at the championship was is that sucks but you could tell how much you love the game uh how much you know taking us around your room there and just being able to talk baseball even for in close to an hour is tremendous and uh we're gonna keep trying to do it over these next few weeks here other coaches on and and hear their stories and and get some student athletes on but just to celebrate the game and to hear someone so passionate like yourself about it it's it's awesome so i want to thank you for for your time today it was it was great thanks thanks jeremy um always have a ton of respect for you and everything you do for our league and baseball and we appreciate it. I think as coaches, at least I do, everything you've done for us, honestly, and, and, and put us on, you know, you've been a vehicle for us to succeed. And that's, that's important to us as coaches and as programs. And, and uh, I know during these times of change, uh, you know, just uh, it's probably going to continue to change. We're going to continue as a league. We're tough. We're resilient to adapt and dominate and we'll get it done. And, and you'll be a big part of that too. So I appreciate you and Eric for bringing me on, and and um, it's uh, it's always a pleasure. So thank you. Yeah, man, we'll do it again soon. We'll be we'll we'll talk baseball down in that room one one of these days. Okay. I'm in. Absolutely, you're you're more than welcome. <laughs> Sounds so, good. Seriously, sounds good, man. All right, we have to bring Jeff with us too. Our Jeff, Mac Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Bring him. He's. I'm sure he he's was ready. looking like he was ready to do the fantasy football draft the the <laughs> other day. 
Yeah, Eric, before we get off, uh, we had our coaches call, and Jeff is in a Browns visor. Well, Eric has seen this look before, yeah. but he, he's prepping his Browns visor and his, his uh, Antonio Gates uh, Gates jersey. Yeah, did, did he have his green sweatpants on. That's I, the only- we we didn't ask what was any, <laughs> anything more than just you know from torso up. We don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think any of us want to know. But uh, yeah, it it uh, yeah he, he looked. He got on that call, and that's you know Jeff. He's he's been down. He's in Ohio. Then he's in Florida. His dad's got yeah lives in Florida, so he's been Ohio, Florida, Ohio, Florida. I think he's right in Florida now. So is he? Yeah, Good for him. Uh, he's doing calls. I mean, Zoom is is a good thing for Jeff Bacon, man. Yeah, and I know he's going to listen to this, so I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about him. Take <laughs> out of it. Oh, hey, Coach. Again, sure. thank you so much you, for man. your time, and we'll yeah. uh, talk soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys. Yep. Take, Take care. care. See ya. See ya.